0: Welcome to the Perchy podcast with Magnus Basharat. Chainsaw versus the Pampas Grass by Simon Armitage, part one. Chainsaw versus the Pampas Grass is set up as a contest, just like a football match. Perhaps Leeds United versus Manchester United, close to Simon Armitage's home. Pampas Grass is well known to gardeners and is probably visually recognisable to most of us. It's not really what we think of as grass at all. It's not the green stuff we play football on. Rather, it has a thick cane-like stalk and a feathery plume at the top. It can grow up to four metres high, and it is a fast-growing and invasive plant. It's seen by many gardeners and homeowners as something of a pest. But because it's fast-growing, and abundant. It's often used to screen houses and windows from roads and pavements, so it can create a sort of privacy. But Simon Armitage's poem is all about how the pampas grass needs to be kept in check by being cut down, otherwise it would never stop spreading and might take over the whole garden. So the seasonal cutting back of the pampas grass is an annual horticultural rite The opening line, it seemed an unlikely match, continues the theme of a sporting contest. It's a David and Goliath clash, a team of millionaire all-stars from the Premier League against a team of part-time non-league amateurs. Match here is a classic Armitage pun. It's match as in a contest, but also match as in a pairing, like a match made in heaven for a couple that suit each other completely. The chainsaw is described in colourful and amusing detail throughout the first stanza. The clever word to use if you're writing an essay is anthropomorphise. Anthropos is a Greek word meaning human being or man, and morphos means form or shape. So the chainsaw is given human form and described in human terms. It's anthropomorphised. All winter unplugged suggests that its time has now come. It's been dormant, resting, waiting for its moment. Grinding its teeth suggests that the chainsaw has been sleeping and in its subconscious mind cutting through fallen trees and other storm debris, rather like a human that sleeps unrestfully, grinding their teeth in their sleep so the chainsaw actually wants to be out there, cutting its way through things. There is certainly a darkness and a sense of menace about the way the chainsaw is described. Swinging nose down from a hook is rather like a slab of meat hanging from a butcher's hook, about to be chainsawed into joints. Under the hatch in the floor suggests that the chainsaw is kept in an underground dungeon. It has to be kept away from people and light, because of its cruel menace. Swung and hatch make the description like a scaffold erected for a hanging, where the trapdoor has been opened and the corpse swings from the noose as the chainsaw swings from its hook. When offered the can of oil, continues the idea of the chainsaw as a caged beast to whom its human keepers offer meat to feed it during the winter. It knocked back a quarter pint, conjures up the image of the chainsaw tipping back its head to pour in the oil. Juices ran from its joints and threads is rather like the bloody juices running from a roasted joint of meat that's been left to rest before being carved. Oozing also suggests blood oozing from a wound. But the oil serves its purpose and permeates all the mechanical recesses of the chainsaw's mechanism, getting it ready to wreak its havoc against the unsuspecting pampas grass. The action of the poem begins in the second stanza. The gulp of heat that is held by the summer house recalls the chainsaw gulping oil in the previous stanza. And as it has been unopened and neglected during the winter, the spiders' webs and dead flies have accumulated inside its hot recesses. The heat in the summer house is hung, just like the chainsaw hung from its hook. The simile of the orange power line being trailed across the lawn like powder from a keg prepares us for the explosion from the chainsaw when it is switched on. There is a noticeable slowing down of the poem as each action is carefully described, with trailed, walked, and another walked delaying the actual moment of ignition. The use of coupled to describe the joining of the saw to the flex recalls the earlier use of match in the first line. Describing the safety catch as dropped and the verb gunned to describe the pulling back of the trigger all build a sense of the chainsaw as a lethal weapon with words more usually used to describe the use of armaments here instead used to describe garden machinery. The third stanza has a contrasting pace to the second, and with the chainsaw showing an instant rage as the power is turned on. The contrast in physical durability between the chainsaw and the pampas grass is paralleled in metal lashing out at air, which also suggests the uncontrollable rage of the chainsaw. Being connected to the mains suggests that it has unlimited reserves of power, but also hints at a transience which recurs at the end of the poem. The chainsaw is extraordinarily destructive, but in a short space of time, certainly when contrasted to the growth cycle of nature. The anthropomorphic presentation of the chainsaw is accentuated in this stanza. The chainsaw is presented as having a perfect disregard for whatever lies in its path, a sociopathic chainsaw. And with its mood to tangle with cloth or jewellery or hair, the strength and power of the chainsaw and how hard its operator must work to stop it cutting everything that lies in its path comes across. That a chainsaw has the emotion of desire Work successfully in the poem because of the way its human characteristics have been built up throughout the poem. Usually what we mean by having a sweet tooth is a way of describing someone who craves sweet things, but the chainsaw's craving is for flesh and blood and the bones underneath. Giving the chainsaw a grand plan to maim indiscriminately and to rear up into the brain, emphasises the power of the chainsaw, and how, when switched on, it seems to take on a life and a destructive energy of its own that the operator can barely contain. The next section of description, again, emphasises the will imposed upon the chainsaw that the operator must exercise. But there is celebration, too, in the power of the chainsaw, as they let it flare, catching the sun's rays like a scalibur. The image is almost like a newborn child being held aloft, emitting a gargle from its throat, and its little heart beating frantically. But here, of course, it's a destructive machine that hasn't yet encountered anything. The next stanza begins with the contrast of the pampas grass, which is presented in a comic light, with its ludicrous feathers and plumes following on from the hard and destructive physicality of the chainsaw the pampas grass is presented as ethereal and insubstantial the energy and speed of the chainsaw is contrasted with the languor and the of the pampas grass sunning itself and its cushions and tufts alongside feathers and plumes making it sound costumed and cosmetic in contrast to the chainsaw's visceral hardness. The uneven physical contest is alluded to as the sledgehammer taken to crack the nut, a phrase often invoked to describe extreme measures that have been taken to solve a relatively simple problem. Overkill, in the next stanza, again emphasises the apparent one-sidedness of the contest, as well as recalling again the latent violence of the chainsaw in kill. The use of delicate verbs like touched and dabbed show how easy the destruction of the pampas grass is, with docked and dismissed emphasising the effortlessness. The plant juice that is spat from pipes and tubes is reminiscent of blood from human veins and recalls the flesh and bones in the third stanza. The description of the chainsaw as it ripped into pockets of dark, secret warmth presents the action as a violation of nature, as though this act has become a kind of self-gratifying punishment. The sixth stanza begins with the chainsaw operator clearing a space to work, giving their obliteration of the pampas grass a status equivalent to formal labour. The list of verbs that follow, severed, felled and torn, continue the theme of the violent destruction of nature, with torn a particularly uncomfortable verb. The repetition of cut and raked emphasises the length of the process and therefore the abundance of the pampas grass, the description of the leftover stump that wouldn't be prized from the earth suggests nature reluctant to give up the remains of the clump, is almost holding on to the roots tightly, in the way that prizing something from a closed fist is extremely difficult. The desire to finish off the Pampas grass, its complete deracination, becomes more frenzied and pathological. Finish things off suggests the chainsaw operator wanted to kill a living thing, like a bullfighter carrying out the coup de gras on a weakened bull. Again, recalling a sword being plunged vertically into a body, the blade of the chainsaw is driven downwards, but the power of nature to grow and heal is alluded to, as the roots already seemed mended. The abrupt ending to the stanza, I left it at that, suggests that the job is done, victory complete, there's no coming back. The abrupt ending leaves a gap of time that allows the summer to arrive and for the pampas grass to start growing back, despite the havoc wreaked upon it. The stump is now a nest for small shoots to sprout, which grow quickly. Corn in Egypt is a reference from the book of Genesis from the Bible and means that there is an abundance of pampas grass, with its plumes now resembling a victor's crown. The final stanza returns us to the beginning of the poem, so we have come full circle, just like the growth of spring and summer following autumn and winter. One of the poem's themes is the power of nature, far more powerful than the destructive habits of man, and the futility almost of our shared inclination to try to order and manage nature. The chainsaw is back on its hook, and it is again given human emotions seething in anger at what the pampas grass has been allowed to do. But because it has only one purpose and can't fulfil that purpose unless plugged in and managed by man, all it can do is seethe. But it is obsessive in recalling its sole purpose to destroy and can't forget. So the poem is about mutability the inevitability of change, a theme that draws many poets, particularly the Romantics, who often wrote about the power and scale of nature and the relative irrelevance of man. Even though the pampas grass isn't a native species, it doesn't belong in the garden, but it has evolved over many millennia an almost indestructible durability that will always defeat any attempts to expunge it. Thank you for listening to the Perchy Podcast. More podcast episodes in the series are available from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever podcast player you use. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.